The name of the current series that we are in is Light. And this series, listen guys, this series is all about hope. But it is about a hope that bubbles up into faith. And the picture that we're painting in the series is that every single one of us here are stuck and imprisoned in this dark cave and we are paralyzed by the darkness. But there are whispers of a light that is outside of the cave and there is word of a rescuer who was coming into the cave to come and be the light that guides us out into the world and life that we are made for. And what we said last week, we're in John 10, and what we said last week is Jesus comes and he basically says this. He says, we are like his sheep, and we are stuck in a sheep pen. And we have our eyes fixed over the gate, longing to get out of that gate. And what is through that gate is the green pastures and the life that we long for is out there. And we long for him, the good shepherd, to come and open the gate and let us out. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take a closer look at this good shepherd. And we're going to look even closer also at the green pastures that he is leading us out into. And here's what we end up doing. Over and over and over again, we end up having substitutes for the good shepherd and substitutes for the green pasture that he has made for us. So that's what we're looking at today. We're in John 10. I'm going to read verses 10 through 21. It'll be up on the screen. So here we go. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This, this is Jesus talking, by the way. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and sees the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also that they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon, and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus is saying that we are all stuck in a sheep pen. And we've got our sheep noses up over the sheep gate and we're looking out, longing for a rescuer to come, a shepherd to come and open up the sheep gate and let us out into the green pastures. So I want to start off with this question. Have you ever seen a wild sheep? No. And it's not just because wild sheep aren't roaming roaming the streets of Port St. Lucie. 
It's because there is no such thing as a wild sheep. Because if a sheep doesn't have a shepherd, if a sheep is wild on its own, you know what happens to the sheep? It dies. There are wild dogs, there's wild cats, there's wild pigs, but there's no such thing as a wild sheep because sheep need a shepherd. They're made to have a shepherd. And the sheep, listen to this, the sheep is most free when the sheep has a shepherd. So freedom actually is not about not having a shepherd. Freedom is about having the right one. So what does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for you. A shepherd provides for you. And a shepherd gives you the life that you are longing for. So here's what a shepherd does. A shepherd is leading you into what is true and what is right. And a shepherd, what what does a shepherd do for the sheep? A shepherd gives the sheep rest. Frees the sheep from anxiety, from frustration, from a life of discontentment. And gives the sheep what the sheep needs. Gives the sheep peace. So here's what a shepherd does. Three things. Shepherd leads you to truth. A shepherd leads you to rest, and a shepherd leads you to the life that you are made for. So here's the question. What are you going to? What are you going to for truth? What are you going to for rest? And what are you going to for the good life, for the green pastures, for the life that you long for? You are a sheep. So you're made for something. Now I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, I'm no sheep. I'm my own man. Or I'm an independent woman. Me and Beyonce. Independent woman. You say, I'm my own shepherd. You say to this, I know the type of person you're talking about, David. You're talking about the type of person who needs someone to care for them, who's searching for someone to care them. I don't need anybody to care for me. I'm going to care for myself. You might have tried it in the past, and maybe your parents let you down. Maybe your friends let you down. Maybe your spouse let you down. Maybe your kids have let you down. And so you say, I'm going to do it on my own. I've lost my hope in people, so I'm going to be my own shepherd. What has happened is you've become cynical to the idea of having a shepherd. So you say, I'm going to do it on my own. But let me ask you this. Being your own shepherd, let me ask you this. How are you doing in shepherding yourself? Are you really giving yourself the life that you have always wanted? How's your fear? How's your anxiety? Are you really 100% happy? Are you content with your life the way it is? And are you giving yourself deep rest And are you giving yourself real freedom? And here's the other thing. A shepherd leads you to what is true. A shepherd leads you to truth. Have you really found, if you're your own shepherd, have you really found truth all on your own? 
in complete isolation? Are you telling me that your culture has not influenced your belief of what is true? Your experiences and your personality haven't shaped you to believe what you believe today. Are you saying that if you lived in this remote tribe in a place we don't know anything about, that if you lived there, you would believe all the same things that you believe right now? If you're smart, you would say no. You would say, my experiences have shaped me, my personality has taught me to handle things the way that I handle them, and my culture has had a major influence on the things that I believe are true. To some degree, our environments shape us to what we think truth is. The reality is, no matter what, you aren't your own shepherd. Other things are shepherding you, and it absolutely cannot be avoided. So, and on top of all of that, on top of all of that, you want to be your own shepherd, but again, are you really giving yourself the life that you really want? Are you shepherding yourself into the world and the life that you really want for yourself? I mean, imagine anything for yourself, your deepest desires, are you able to give yourself those, to shepherd yourself into those? Don't you see that you want a greater shepherd? Every single one of us, we're searching for the shepherd that will give us the good life. That's what we want, the shepherd that will give us the good life. So as a sheep, we are devoted to one thing. A sheep is devoted to one thing finding the shepherd that can bring them into the green pastures. And, and here's what we do. We go to false shepherds over and over and over again, hoping them that they can bring us into the green pastures, only they never are able to do it. So think of it like this. Think of it like this. The green pasture is the good life. That's the life that you want. That's the life that you long for. And the shepherd is whatever you go to that will give you that life that you are longing for. A shepherd is anything that you think will give you the green pastures, anything that you think will give you the good life. So in the movie Harry Potter, there's a mirror. And in this mirror, when you walk up to this mirror, it reveals to you the deepest longings of your heart. That's the picture of the good life for you. So if you went up in front of this mirror, what would you see? You'd have anything that you wanted, be anybody that you wanted to be. What would you see? Now the question is, you're going to a shepherd to get that. What is the shepherd you are going to get to get what you see in that mirror? What do you want? I mean, seriously, what do you want more than anything? Find that answer, and that's the good life for you. That's the green pastures for you. Now the question becomes, what is the shepherd that you are going to to get what you saw in the mirror, to get what you want, what you see is the good life? So a, a great counselor told me recently that, men, what we tend to do is we tend to make the good life admiration from others. And in order to get that admiration, we go to our career, we go, we go to, to our calling, whatever it is, we use that to get admiration from others. And so do you see what you're doing in a sense? You're, you have just made 
your job or your career or whatever you're chasing after, your shepherd. And here's what that means. Here's what that does to you. Your job or your career is now teaching you how you ought to live. It's shepherding you to believe what you believe to be true so that you could get that admiration from others. There's only one problem. A good shepherd is there to feed you. But a false shepherd says, feed me. And so whatever you're chasing, your job, your career, whatever, whatever it is you're chasing for admiration, it's saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. So your job is saying, work harder, work harder, work harder. And if you do, the people at your work are going to love you and you're going to love it. You're going to get all the admiration that you want and that you desire. Every false shepherd has an altar. And that altar requires you to put something on there to sacrifice. The true good shepherd becomes the sacrifice, but false shepherds say, put something on that altar to sacrifice. And so here's what we do. We sacrifice time with our family on the altar of our desire for admiration. And so we sacrifice that time and we go and work and work and work. And in our minds, what we're doing is we're doing our duty in order that we might provide for our family. But deep down in our heart, what's going on is we're using our jobs to get admiration from others. Or whatever it is that we're using for admiration. And here's the problem. It's actually working. I mean, think about this. It's a lot easier to go to your job and get admiration from others there because the expectations aren't as high as they are in your family. And rightfully so. The expectations ought to be higher. And so we go and run off to something that we're using to find admiration because it's a lot easier. The work isn't as hard. Okay, now... Now, moms, here's, here's what happens. For moms, the tendency is to make the good life the perfect family. And, and what's shepherding you is you have, there's other moms in your life. There are moms that you see, and they've got it all together. And so for, for them, you see that, and you're like, well, those are my shepherds now. Or maybe this group of moms have become your shepherd, and collectively, they've got this opinion of what, the, what a perfect family is. And so you're chasing after that. And what happens is you start competing with other moms and other families to have that perfect family. And you're chasing it and you're working hard for it. And your family is crumbling under the expectations of perfection. And they can't reach it. And so guess what your husband does? He runs off to get admiration from work because it's a lot easier to get there because he's not going to get any because he's not perfect. He's never going to reach it. And so what happens is everything falls apart all because there are false shepherds in our lives. Marriages are falling apart because of false shepherds, because of false views of what the good life is. Okay, now, now young adults. Okay, your view of the good life is freedom. 
Your view of good life is freedom. And the idea for you of having a shepherd is insulting and it sounds enslaving. And so you run from the idea of having a shepherd. Only here's the problem. You've got your nose over the gate, looking out into freedom, but because you won't go to a shepherd, there's no one there to open the door to give you the green pastures and the freedom that you so long for. And then so, so what you do is you're left thinking your entire life, the grass is always greener on that other side. And the, the, the hard part for moms today especially is those two things, having the perfect family but also having freedom, are like intertwined together. And it's so confusing about how we ought to live because we don't have a good shepherd who is teaching us how to live. And so we're letting everything around us dictate what the good life is and how we ought to live. And we're completely confused about it all. And you know what happens when we are trying to get to the good life, but we don't get it, it puts us in pain. It gives us longings that aren't being met. And so we turn to things to numb the pain. When we go to false shepherds and they aren't delivering for us, we become in pain. And so here's what we do. We turn to alcohol, we turn to drugs, and turn to pornography in order to in order to numb the pain of unmet desires and wants. I'm not saying having a beer is wrong. I'm saying, why are we going to? Are we trying to numb something because of false shepherds that we have? Jesus is standing. Oh, here's, by the way, here's what else I want you to see. If you are out in the green pasture, all on your own, in the green pasture, without a shepherd, what's going to happen to you? The wolves are going to come, and you're a goner. Because you've got, you finally got the freedom, but you don't have a shepherd, and so the wolves are coming. The wolf of death is coming after you, and you don't have a shepherd there. And any other shepherd will flee because it's not a good shepherd. Only the good shepherd stays in the midst of wolves coming. And so Jesus is standing in front of us, and he's standing in front of many of you, but you're going from false shepherd to false shepherd to false shepherd. And then, what Jesus is doing is he's allowing, he's showing you actually through your frustrations, through your unmet desires, through your lack of contentment that those shepherds aren't working and he's standing there waiting for you to come to him so he can give you the desires of your heart. But you have to go to them. And here's the thing. You have to discover that for yourself. And one of our values is discovery. Listen, I understand you need to do that for yourself. I am a stubborn person also. But consider this. Are you avoiding the good shepherd? Because you, are, you don't want him to control you. I mean, I think we've laid out a pretty good case that we're being shepherded by something. Something is controlling us. Might as well go to the only one who can actually give us the good life, the life that we long for. Freedom without a shepherd leads to death. It leads to frustration and it leads to fear because there's no shepherd in the freedom. In freedom. But freedom with the right shepherd 
leads to life and the life that you are meant to have, the life that you are longing for. However, here's the reality. All of this sounds so counterintuitive because in order to get freedom from him, you have to give yourself over to him. In order to to get everything that he wants to give you, you have to say, I'm yours. You have to lose yourself. And what happens in losing yourself is you actually find your true self in him and you find true freedom in him. But it sounds so counterintuitive, so the reality is you're never going to do it. You're never going to take the risk and give yourself over to him. You're not going to do it until something happens. Until you see, this is what you've got to see. If you're really going to give yourself over to him, here's what you've got to see. You've got to see that he's already looking for you, and he's already given himself over to you. And until you see that, you're never giving yourself to him. So when Jesus, so let's think about this. When Jesus thinks of the good life, do you know what he's thinking of? He's thinking of you. He's thinking of life with you. When a, sh- a shepherd, do you know what a shepherd's worth is? A shepherd's worth is found in their sheep. Now listen, I am not saying that Jesus' worth is found in that he needs you. It's found in that he wants you. The sheep are worthy to him. So, okay, so think about this. Something, the worth of something is all determined based on what the purchaser is willing to pay. So you're willing to spend tons of money on a diamond to declare your love for your spouse. But if your spouse is dying of thirst you will trade that diamond for a glass of water, right? So for Jesus, your worth to Jesus isn't found in you that he needs you. He has everything he needs. Listen to this, you can't miss this. It's found in that he wants you. He desires you. His heart is like beating for you. It's not that you're something he needs. It's like you're this beautiful painting in his eyes and he wants you and he's willing to pay whatever it takes, even the cost of his own life to get you. He's chosen you. He's declared you worthy. And if you don't see the value that he has put in you, you will never see the value in giving your life over to him. How much does he value you? (laughs) We don't, I mean, we know, but we don't really know. We don't really believe that he values us the way that he says he values us. How much does the good shepherd value you? Here's what he says. I know my own and my own know me just as I know the Father and the Father knows me. Just as much as the Father. Now here's what this means. You've got to understand what this word know means. 
in the Old Testament, when it talked about, no, when someone says, I knew my wife, it's talking about a sexual intimacy here. And here's what, it's, here's what it's communicating. There's a oneness. Love binds two things together and makes it one. And so what Jesus is saying is that he is bound up to the Father by his love for the Father. And what he's saying is that we, by his love for us, become bound bound up in him and in the relationship he has with the father. And so there's this relationship between the father and the son and you because he has bound you into it by his love. This is talking about a deep love relationship. There's a deep oneness that's being talked about here. And it's a divine love that has come from outside of this world and it has ripped a hole in heaven to come and get you. He wants you so bad that he has shaken and stirred up and moved around and moved heaven and earth to come and get you. And he wants you. And you know what we've done? We've rejected him. He's come for us. He's moved everything for us, and we've rejected him for false shepherds and for false pastures that we aren't made for. See, I want you to think about sin like this. Sin is desiring a false shepherd, and sin is desiring something other than the pasture that you are made for. You know, when we think about sin, we think about, oh, we're breaking the law. And it's not that it's not that, but listen. Listen to what he does. He's making sin about your desires, but what he's saying is that your desires are too small. You are settling for these piles of mud when he's got this green pasture and these still waters that are waiting for you. It's that he's saying that your longing is too small. He's saying that that actually is sinful. You've got to want more, not less, that's what Christianity is screaming at you. Want the greatest thing ever in the world, Jesus Christ, he's come into it. Sin is about wanting too little for yourself, not too much. The true shepherd has a green pasture that you are meant to run in. And he's given it to you. And you're meant to go to him and to him alone to get it. And what has happened is in our sin, we have chased after false shepherds and false pastures. And now you know what happens? We're left in this green pasture or this pasture of mud or whatever it is. And the wolves are coming. The wolf of death is chasing us down and that wolf of death has a claim on us because there is no shepherd around us in freedom to rescue us. All other shepherds have fleed. So listen, in order to steal you back, the good shepherd has come into this world, into this life that we thought was free but is not free. And as the wolf is coming, the good shepherd comes and he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Death had a claim on my sheep, but I have come and laid down my life in their place.
in the Chronicles of Narnia. You guys love my movie references, don't you? So in the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, there's, a, there's a boy, and he's, he becomes a traitor. He tra- he's a traitor to the evil white witch, and here's what happens. The, the idea of the good life for this boy is that he becomes greater than his older brother. And the white witch is the false shepherd who promises him that she can get that for him. And so he sells himself over to her in order to get the good life from her. He figures out this was a mistake. And somehow he manages to escape and he runs to Aslan the lion, who's representing Jesus in the story. So he runs to Aslan the lion, only the white witch tracks him down and says to Aslan, that traitor is mine, all traitors belong to me, and Aslan knows that it's true. And so what happens next is they go into a tent and they have a conversation. The white witch and Aslan have a conversation about this traitor. And then they come out. And the white witch says, he's no longer mine. And everybody's celebrating. But this is violating the laws of Narnia. This is violating the laws of the green pasture. This is violating how life works in the green pasture. Traitors aren't allowed in the good life in the green pasture. So how, so how does this happen? Well, we find out. In the middle of the night, Aslan sneaks away to go to the white witch to be sacrificed on the altar to give his life for the traitor. It was either the traitor or him. You have a good shepherd who lays down his life you. When somebody at a wedding, when they give away the rings, so this ring, this ring actually is not my ring. This is my wife's ring. This is Elise's ring. And I wear this ring as a sign that I am hers. And she wears her ring as a sign that she is mine. Somebody, somebody told me one time, I'm my own person. They're their own person. It's not about that. That's not about that for me. And what, listen, that is not love. That's like a business exchange. Love is about giving yourself over to someone so much so that that love has bound you to that person so you have become one with that person. It's about giving yourself over to another, selling yourself over to another. And that's the kind of relationship that the good shepherd invites you into. And he gives himself over to you to compel you to give yourself over to him. He makes the first move, always. And if you think that he is a power-hungry God that just wants to control you, then you are missing it. He wants you to be controlled by your love for him. Love controls you and it masters you. After all, his love for you controlled him and mastered him to the point that it led him right to the cross. And until you see that, you're never going to say, I am not my own, but I belong to another. 
until you see that he has given his life in your place, you will never say, I am not my own, but I belong to another. You'll never see the benefit of it until you see that he loves you so much and he's powerful enough, yet he still lays down his life for you. And until you see that, you're never going to say, I am yours. Until you see that he went to the cross and sold himself over to the wolf of death. The wolf of death had a claim on you and me, and he sold himself over to die in our place so that we can be brought out into the green pastures where there is no wolf of death and we can roam free without a worry in the world. And then in his rising from the grave, he gives us the greatest gift of all, himself in the green pasture with us. The good life is not the good life unless he is there. So go to him and he'll bring you in to those green pastures, that good life. He makes you realize the life that you are chasing is not the life you're made for. There's a much greater life that you're made for. Stop having your noses peeked over the gate. The shepherd is here Stand and run to him. Let's pray.